0: Welcome back to the All Things Strength and Wellness podcast. I am your host, as always, Robbie Burke. And before we get into today's show, I just want to give a shout out to all of the show's sponsors. Firstly, upmentorship.com, which is one of the top strength and conditioning resources available online today. The Ultimate Performance Online Mentorship is 20 hours of top class strength and conditioning information available for instant access right at your fingertips. To find out more, head over to upmentorship.com which is linked up in the show notes. Check it out and help support the show. Next, I want to give a shout out to Altus 360 and Altus Education, which are two outstanding online resources for any practitioner in the sports preparation profession. Be sure to head over to the show notes and check out these unique platforms. Next, I want to give a shout out to Joseph Johnson at Ultimate Alley Concepts. Ultimate Alley Concepts is a multifaceted company providing the most sophisticated scientific material in sports science. Ultima Alley Concepts is the world's leading resource for translated sports preparation material. Next, I want to give a shout out to Pat B's National Sports Performance Association, which is an online certification platform for professionals within the sports preparation profession. Currently, the NSPA has four certifications available. Speed and Agility, delivered by Lee Taft. Olympic Weightlifting, delivered by Will Fleming. Nutrition, delivered by Dr. Chris Moore and program design delivered by coach Robert Remedios. For more information on the NSPA, be sure to check out all of the links in the show notes. Finally, I want to thank another brainchild of Pat Beef's, Athletes Acceleration, which is another online medium that delivers excellent educational resources for strength and conditioning professionals. And just like with all of our other sponsors, head over to the show notes to get the links to all of the available products that Athletes Acceleration has to offer. A full disclosure, except for Altus 360 and Altus Education, I am an affiliate to all of the show sponsors. Lastly, before we get into today's interview, I just wanted to let all the listeners know that the podcast is now on Patreon. If you feel that you are in a position to support the show, I would truly appreciate any donations you'd be willing to make to help support the podcast. Okay, that's enough rambling from me. Let's get into today's show. This episode's guest is Mike Godango from Freak Strength. Mike is currently a coach, rider, and owner at Freak Strength and has been coaching for over 10 years. Mike has coached many levels of athletes from NFL, MLB, NBA, MLL, Rugby League, Rugby Union, and Olympic medalists to youth athletes. On this episode, Mike and I discuss Mike's background and his influences. I asked Mike about how open was Joe DeFranco to the training concepts that Mike brought to him after his internship at the University of Pittsburgh under Buddy Morris and James Smith. I asked Mike, why did he go into the private coaching sector versus the professional or collegiate coaching route? I asked Mike about his training philosophy. I asked Mike for his thoughts on aerobic development. I asked Mike, what are the good and not so good things that he currently sees within the physical preparation and sports science professions? And what solutions would he offer for the not so good things that he is seeing. I asked Mike what have been the biggest lessons he has learned so far in his life and career. I asked Mike, if he only had one year left on planet Earth, how would he spend that year and why? And finally, I asked Mike the big question. If he could invite five people to dinner, dead or alive, who would he invite and why? Guys, this was an outstanding episode with Mike, and I hope you really, really enjoyed. Mike, thank you so much for making time to speak to me today. I really, really do appreciate it. I know you're a busy guy running your own business, but for the listeners who might be too familiar with who you are, just give us the background, my man.
1: First, thanks for having me. Uh, and, and with the caliber of guys that you have on here, it's, it, You know, I'm, I'm honored to be on here uh especially you know you have guys like path and 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 james smith on here and buddy's been on here too right yeah
0: so uh, yeah i've had buddy on so i do two podcasts i do my own which is this one this is all things strength and wellness and then i also do a podcast for opex so i've had chad dan and buddy all on my one and uh, so far i've had chad and dan also on the opex one so i've interviewed them voice twice and I, I have james on my own one, like every month with a topic where i just i ask the question i don't say for an hour and he just goes
1: <laughs> yeah pretty pretty standard james operating procedure um, so my background is I worked at DeFrancos. Uh, I was I was an athlete at DeFranco's. I ended up working at DeFrancos. The uh then I took an internship with uh Pittsburgh with Buddy Morris and James Smith. Um after that they turned my world upside down. I went back to DeFranco's and said, we have to change everything. <laughs> and and then I ended up running Joe's gym for a while i I think it was at joe's gym for probably like maybe maybe a total of i don't know five six years something like that and now i have my own gym
0: was that joe's third facility so you know like the, the, the best one out
1: of the three that he had that you ran um so well the best one of the three that's 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 subjective Uh, one of my, my, my favorite gym was the, the storage room closet. Um, that was, that's, I I worked out in that gym. I didn't train guys in that gym. That was his, you know, his 500 square foot storage closet. That place was fucking awesome. Um, then I worked in his second facility. Uh, that was more of a part-time gig. I just started being full-time there as soon as we made the switch to the third facility. And that was his 5,000 square foot facility.
0: Yeah, sweet just i was gonna ask a question there it'll come back to me in a second i know uh, you've already mentioned obviously joe and buddy and james um i suppose just touch on the influences those guys have had on you too and also another question i would like to ask is um people is not only about your professional influences but who also have been personal influences on you in your life as well so you're both your professional and personal influences
1: uh well i mean my my influence from it, it had started with physical therapy. Uh, I was I was a wrestler when I was real young, um, wrestler, baseball player, and I I really is it, all right for me to curse on the show.
0: Oh man, this is an Irish podcast. You can you can <laughs> it, it it's it's actually if you don't curse, it's a disappointment. Like so, <laughs> okay. you can absolutely you can absolutely fucking curse here.
1: <laughs> so my uh, my I, I was a pretty competitive wrestler, and I mean I made probably ten emergency room visits uh, from being prepubescent, you know, I, I, I'd always get fucked up. Uh, there'd always be some kind of injury. There'd always be something. So my dad would end up rushing me to the emergency room for, you know, a knee or a shoulder or an elbow, you know, hyperextended elbow. It it didn't matter. Um, and I ended up having shoulder surgery when I was 14 years old, but prior to the shoulder surgery, I got a bunch of elbow tendonitis from hyperextending my elbow. I had knee issues like Osgood Schlatter's. And then just from overworking, and my dad had me in physical therapy because I was so fucked up. And then from there, the physical therapist ended up training me. And that, I was like 12, I, I think maybe 12 years old, 13 years old. I was showing up late to school, waking up at 5 a.m. to go to physical therapy and train in the morning. And then I'd show up at school after a shower at the gym and at probably like eight o'clock when classes start at like 7.45. My dad gave me a, a note every single time you know, because even then my influence was just work your ass off. So it started with physical therapy. Um, and I was only trained by physical therapists for a while.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, until I was about 17 when I met DeFranco, 17, 18 years old. So I had always known how to train uh, I, or, or in some regard, yeah. known how to train. Um, and then I had met Joe uh, because he his, his, uh, storage closet was right outside of a gym or right within a gym that I was training at Odyssey. And there were, you know, a bunch of guys going in and out that were pretty jacked. So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll give this guy a shot. And after that, you know, DeFranco, uh, my, my father is a, uh, he's, he's a CFO. He, or was a CFO. Um, he's finance guy, accounting type guy. He's very, very numbers oriented. So he, he was very into research. He he made sure everything he was type A personality. He he did his research to the you know, to, to the max with with training because he used to train my brother. And my brother, my, my dad came across, he used to read the old school powerlifting magazines, and he came across Louis Simmons way, way back. So mm-hmm. I mean, even before I met DeFranco, I knew who Louis Simmons was. I used to watch all Louis Simmons videos being, you know, fourteen years old watching all that shit. Um yeah, yeah. There no microphones. The Louis in his like shitty basement or shitty gym, whatever the hell it was. And Mm. you hear all these guys. Back, back, back. And and you hear the Metallica in the background, like four horsemen and shit. Um so it it was I've I was influenced by Louis Simmons to begin with. And then I met DeFranco and he was like, Oh there's the West Side method. I was like, oh shit, my brother used to do that. You know? Um so I I kinda I took to Joe right away, just because it was like familiar territory.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and Joe had his own twist to the West Side Method. I mean, my dad was very. Uh, he, he, my dad's not creative. He's uh, he's a manager, right? Mm-hmm. So you give him the information, and he'll manage everything. So he did the West Side Method. How Louie would do the West Side Method, like yeah. to the tape. You design. know, I, I, and and there were some some instances where he did a hybrid of you know like Ed Cohen, Louis Simmons stuff. So my brother would work out seven eight times a week. Wow! It was yeah yeah. My brother was one hundred and fifty pounds bench pressing three hundred pounds as a fifteen or sixteen year old kid. Mm-hmm. Like he, yeah, he was a, he was a fucking bull. Um, and you know it's it that was all what my dad did. So when I came to DeFranco's, it was another mix of that. Um, and we were very high intensity, uh, based like, you know, a lot of heavy lifting, a lot of maxing out type shit. Uh, even though we never did a true one rep max at the Franco's for the most part other than me being an asshole, um, we, we always push it to the limits and we'd push the limits weekly, you know, just, just like Louie. Whereas, whereas with my dad, it was a little more conservative and we'd have set and my brother would have set max days and stuff. So it was, it was a little bit of a blend there. That's how Joe influenced me early on where it was, hey, push the fucking system to to grow, sort of thing, rather than taking your time with it. Um and not not in like a bad way or anything like that. Just just a just a different just a different approach. And that's where we got kind of the hardcore atmosphere from. Because yeah. I was never like a motherfucker until I went to DeFranco's where my my personality really started changing and my work ethic started changing and I, I was surrounded by so many awesome dudes that it it had forced me to to try to be awesome
0: yeah. you know
1: like you, you see all these motherfuckers around you you know it's sink or swim like all right i could either be a pussy or i could be the motherfucker on the you know it, it, with with the rest of the guys and i did my best to kind of be the rest of the guys you know yeah yeah i
0: and, think i think for the listeners if they if they see the documentary uh, stronger it'll, it'll give them a good uh a yeah. good sort of re- re- representation of the environment
1: yeah yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, I, was, I was a rich white kid growing up and, um, you know, white suburbia, the whole nine, and you'd never know it, you know, when, if, if you'd see me train or if you'd see me work to this day, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's all work ethic. And a lot of that has to do with the environment that Joe, that Joe provided us when we were younger and also the environment that my dad set me up with. I mean, I talk about influences. My father had me working in a warehouse um, unloading trucks and, you know, unloading boxes When I was 12, 13 years old in the middle of the summer, you know, blowing, I'd blow my nose and, and dust would come out because it'd just be, it'd it'd be absolutely disgusting. I I was working my ass off from a young age. Um, So it was, the the combination of the two really helped mold me to who I am. And then, then once I met James and Buddy, um, it was just, it it was, I I don't want to say it was a perfect storm, but I mean they they really showed me yeah
0: a whole playing. other whole other universe
1: yeah yeah they were phenomenal um those those two guys are two of my closest friends even to this day
0: yeah I, i've had like i'm fortunate again as uh, as i told you before we hopped online and over the last few days like, i'm very fortunate to have a fairly close relationship with james true i get, get to speaking to every month and i had him over here six years ago delivering a seminar and like you with his material and when it comes to like the likes of dan's material and buddies like read everything they've uh wrote even though james obviously his material is the hardest of all <laughs> but yeah, he, uh, you know for it, it takes a few years but you get to stage where it's so funny because it's kind of like me and you like we've read we've read so much of his work now it's kind of like i i don't know about you but it's like people come to us to decipher his work it's like so what's yeah. he saying here? well this is what he means it's like mm-hmm. um but yeah, th- those guys are incredible. And Buddy's so f- so funny, like as well. Just as as a person to know, he's just hilarious. So some great stories I'll-, I'll I'll tell you later on as well when I my time at all. with also some Buddy, but uh, two things came to my mind, and, and I actually remember the question I wanted to ask. Too. Uh First thing though is um, I heard Joe on the podcast saying as well when you first came across Joe, what attracted you to the closet was like he had these like massive forearms. Yeah. And were you were you pitching at the time? Were you playing baseball? And you're like, yeah, he's got massive forearms. He kind of looks like he knows what he's doing and uh that was funny but the question actually I actually had there for you that i wanted to ask that i remembered was you said in some previous interviews that when you went to Pitt, like again it like showed your whole other universe kind of it turned your world upside down and you said you went back to the francos um and you said that joe was was pretty um he, he uh was uh pretty um what's the word i'm trying to receptive. Think of? receptive that's exactly the exact word for some reason i had reciprocity in my head but receptive he was very receptive to your feedback and um, so maybe just i'd love you to talk a little more about that because obviously like you would come from that the frank environment you know maxing out high intensity and then you know you came back from pit and then you're kind of saying to joe like this is what i'm learning i think this is a better way and just like how joe you know again and um, was so receptive to that and like kind of talk us through maybe that little bit of a journey
1: so so at the time I didn't think um I, I I didn't think DeFranco was all that receptive to it. I, I thought he could okay. have been more. But retrospect, um Joe was Joe was pretty receptive to it. Yeah, it was yes. you know, I mean I I was a dumb fucking kid I got to learn how to present the information a little differently rather than we're well, doing it all fucking wrong we 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 got to do this you know like yeah yeah, yeah exactly but, yeah yeah you don't know so, what you're fucking doing for the last uh, 20 years uh, yeah you know like it's uh if it, 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 one of the biggest things you learn how to do is communicate as as an adult you know um and and that'll that'll change everyone's reaction to to everything that you do but um retrospectively joe joe was uh Joe was pretty receptive to it i i he he was a very hands off uh owner yeah. right so i I was able to do whatever the fuck I wanted to do you know um there there was no once once he had confidence in me uh there was no real oversight with with what i did and eventually i was you know the main trainer there, and I was coaching majority of the guys and and it slowly slowly blended into into what we we had to do Mm -hmm. um and then when I started taking over and and helping him coach with the combine and then the NFL crews and and all that um it it slowly blended together yeah um where where I mean you could still see uh a a difference between Joe's training and my training to this day like there's there's a strong difference between between the two of us now but I mean even if you look at what Joe was doing when I first got there versus when I came yeah. back from Pitt I mean there was there was a big transformation and and even even to this day they're they're always you know working their way towards just constantly molding that
0: yeah no cuz it, it it was so clear from the evolution of kind of the training information that was coming from joe because like even in a speed manual, you know, you could see like oh high low is now starting to be incorporated here and even now like with cam joss there like they i know cam does most of the training but like they've moved away from a lot of heavy bilateral stuff and have gone to like more unilateral and heavier stuff and again the the setup now of their speed work is only really more like you know it has an altus sort of um uh influence to it now you know because obviously cam is very tight with stew and dan and and as I said, there's still a, a Charlie France sort of esque sort of flavor to like, and there's a high low, and as I said, there's the Alta sort of influence now where how they do their speed work. But you can see they've kind of moved away from that like original hardcore West Side Max Maxson- and. Out, you know, and kind of like the basically the West Side template of you know dynamic effort, max effort, and that kind of way. But it's just it, it you know, you could see that externally, like the the evolution of Joe. And another thing too was I thought like when he kind of hooked up to with Jim Smith, you could see that Smitty was kind of he had a little more, I suppose knowledge and and sort of background in sort of like he took a lot from like the Mike Boyle world with regards to core work, and he took a lot of stuff from like. you know he took a lot of breathing principles and he kind of introduced that to joe and you see that started to get introduced so you could just see that evolution in joe's kind of program or into the franco system
1: well joe joe still doesn't really utilize the high low Uh, i wrote that part of the 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 manual manual. yeah yeah yeah. um it's he's still he's still very west side well i shouldn't say still because i i haven't seen the guy train in in four years or whatever but i mean as as of late you know he was still very west side oriented you know um what yeah. yeah. from from the last that i've seen of him um but it's it, there there's always there's always a a growth you know like Absolutely. like 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 you said when when smitty came into the picture uh there was a lot more mobility type work a lot more yeah. influence on you know the different fascial work and the breathing patterns and all and all that um and and joe's very he's he's I think the people that are slow to change are, you know, they're the skeptics, you know what I mean? So that's, that's how you gotta be. That's, and that's why I say retrospect um, Joe was receptive to it because now, I mean, I own, I own my own gym now. And if someone came in and said, we're doing everything wrong, I'd say, fuck you. We're doing everything wrong. Yeah. Yeah. What the hell are you talking about? Big time. So, so it's, and especially when you have such a, a brand, a world renowned brand like that, like you can't, just say my brand was all wrong like that like there <laughs> needs to and there's there's a lot of a lot of success behind everything too mm-hmm. you know so all right we need to figure out what was successful what was you know what 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 was good what was bad what um, could what, we
0: what, what could be done better. better yeah i know exactly yeah. what you're
1: yeah. you know so and and that takes time that takes yeah. time
0: no it was just it was interesting because i again like uh you know i think you put it well like in in retrospect that that you know that he was quite receptive because you know, it's the same too i, I see you know similar because w- w- i, I uh, worked an intern at boils interned and then worked at boils and this was mike you know similar he's been in the field for so many years so like when he gets like some sort of young coach saying "Now you're doing this all wrong and he's like well you know like similar but in fairness to mike you know retrospectively he's been very uh, receptive to a lot of other thoughts and he, he actually is very receptive to other people's opinions and thoughts as well. So it's interesting to see that from, you know, two very experienced coaches in terms of Mike and, and Joe, but, um, moving on Mike, uh, a question I actually wanted to ask you, a uh, very interested,
1: why did you go the private route and not go to pro sports? <laughs> um, jobs. So when, when Joe, uh, it, it, it's when i was at joe's I, buddy was out of a job um buddy was going to hire me yeah uh, at Pitt? or um yeah yeah they were they were Joe, I mean, he was he was considering bringing me on um, and then Wonstack got fired the head coach and then buddy got fired so mm-hmm. buddy was unemployed for what 2 3 years yeah and, they and i were texting virtually every fucking day um they, we we that's uh, we got real close at Pitt um and then we stayed we stayed close even when he was unemployed opened his own gym i said don't open your own gym you're gonna be miserable
0: yeah that, um, was, that was the one up in buffalo wasn't it
1: yeah it's still uh-huh. open his uh, his stepson uh fred who, who's who's a real fucking smart dude um he he runs the gym now he owns I, I think he's the owner now i don't know but but he crushes it up there but yeah. the private stuff wasn't for buddy um when when he was at university of buffalo Uh, it was right when I was going through my divorce, I was like, dude, I need to get the fuck out of here. Um, and he said, all right, I'll get your job. So the weekend I was supposed to go up and, uh, interview, I guess you could say interview when, when I was supposed to just get the details of, of the job. Um, he got a call from Bruce Arian saying, come to Arizona. Yeah. I said, shut the fuck up. So he flew out to Arizona on like a Thursday. And I don't think he came back since he's like, Monica. I'm not coming back to Buffalo. You know?
0: He fucking loves it down there. And to be honest, I lived there for three months in Arizona. I'd live there as well.
1: Yeah. Oh, I love. I love Arizona. Every time I go there, I never want to leave. Yeah. Um. So I was supposed to go to Buffalo with Buddy. Then he got the job with Arizona. Then he said, "Pack your bags, motherfucker. We're going." I said, "That's that's awesome." And then he had to keep his assistant there for a year. Um. Before, before he left. And then by that time, Joe had, uh, Joe and I were, Joe, Joe had discussed with me the the possibility of opening, uh, of going down to Texas to open the gym down there. And I said, dude, like, I, I can't, like, I'm, I'm not going to, like, am I going to own the gym? No, like, I'm not going to open a gym down in Texas to start, to start all over again. I, I can't do that. I said, why don't we open a gym in Jersey together? And he said, "Oh, okay, all right." Um, So he and I were going to open a gym in Jersey together, and then about two weeks before we were supposed to go through with it, it it fell through. Something I, you know, I it, it it had fallen through, and I was kind of caught there on my ass. The gym in New Jersey was closing in two weeks, even though, and we were supposed to open one. And then I was like, Oh shit. Well now I have no job offers at the time. Cause I, I, I get like maybe one or two offers a year um, yeah, to, yeah. to entertain. And at this time I hadn't had one. So I was like, all right, well, I could either sit on my ass and hope and pray that a job comes in January because it was, it was like September, August, September, October, whatever it was at, at that point. Um, And I was like, I, I, I could sit on my ass or I could just say, fuck it. I'll open a gym. Um. And I mean, Joe wasn't opening a gym in Jersey, all my clients that I had, I had from DeFranco's because um, I had built my own, my own clientele. I, I, I got to a point the past, the last year or so um, I didn't take any referrals from DeFranco's. I only took referrals from my clients yeah. um, because we had other trainers there and, you know, my, my schedule was pretty packed. So I said, no, you know what? Like, that's fine. I'll, I'll take my business and I'll build upon my business. That way, you know, I'm not being a leech. You know, it's it, I'm I'm helping grow grow Joe's aspect of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I had my own clientele, and then Joe's clientele had nowhere to go, and then we had another trainer there. So Pat, so I was like, oh shit. I guess we'll just open a gym. So I I was hustling. The last the last two weeks were two of the most stressful weeks because I was going looking at different real estates, uh, diff, different gyms, different spots, and I was I was taking meetings. I I, I had a meeting with um, Parisi with uh bill parisi yeah
0: yeah
1: they they had reached out they they heard that joe's was closed and they wanted me to run run their their spot um i met joe joe
0: jo used to work for him years and years ago
1: yeah um joe used to work for him and then you know that that had fallen through yeah um and i was i was skeptical as to you know taking that because i didn't want to have any have any bla- bad blood between uh, anything yeah, you know so yeah, i, know I so it was, I was caught at a rock and a hard place with a whole bunch of different situations. Um, and then I just said, you know what, screw it. I'll open up my own gym. I'll keep the overhead real, real low. I'm not going to make mistakes that I've seen other people make. Yeah. Um, and that's where I went from there. So it's, I really, I mean, I, I've always wanted to be Buddy's assistant. You yeah. know, I, I always wanted to be, as soon as I met him, I said, fuck, this is what I want to do. Like, I, cause I don't like being a number one. Because it takes, I, I it takes away from the things that I love doing. What what do I love doing? I love coaching and I love learning. You know, yeah. I mean, there was there was a period of time every Wednesday, I would wake up at two a.m. I'd take like an Adderall or I'd take a Modafinil. <laughs> uh, I would brew a huge pot of coffee and I'd read for twenty hours. Yeah. Um, I'd schedule all my le- all my sessions later in the day on Wednesdays, and I did that for probably three or four years straight. So uh, I mean, that's there was, yeah.
0: Do, do, there, do, 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 do you know how much that for me fucked up your biology but anyway it was worth it
1: oh dude yeah big big time it, it it fucked me up so much but i mean there was in the three or four years i mean i accelerated my knowledge yeah so, so much because I, I took the approach that it takes you uh it takes ten thousand five five to fifteen thousand hours uh of practice to become an expert in anything right so where I, where, are you, I, where where are you pulling those numbers from now Five to fifteen thousand. That was uh, what, what? What is it? the Sports man, team? Well,
0: yeah, your man. Well, there's there's a the research, okay. you know, Eric's the ten thousand hour fucking thing. But like loads of people are saying, ah,
1: that's a lot of bollocks. And was,
0: you, know, you know, yourself. Yeah. These things come out, and then people go, Oh, that's a lot of bollocks." But whatever. I know what you're saying. Go on.
1: So, so it takes a lot of fucking time to become an expert in something, yeah. right? Yeah. And my goal wasn't to become an expert in one thing, but to become the jack of all trades, almost. Mm. To, as as James
0: uh, says, to become competent in other domains.
1: Ex- exactly. So if I am competent. In, I don't know, maybe ten or fifteen different domains, subdomains of one domain. Then all of a sudden, I can pull knowledge from different different areas. So use like the 80 20 rule. It takes like twenty percent of the time to get eighty percent of the knowledge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would I would study on one topic for twenty hours. Yeah. Um. And I I saw a TED talk a TED talk saying it literally takes twenty hours to become truly average at something. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Let me take that and I, I ran with that. So. If there was something about fashion that I wanted to learn, I'd, I'd just all right. We're going to learn all. Of, I'm going to do my outline of what I need to learn. I'm Very good. That this Wednesday, and and I did that for essentially 200 Wednesdays.
0: You're actually answering a question I had for you later on, which is which is a question I ask everyone too. Is and it's a new one I've been asking is how you learn. So I, I like your you're touching on that because uh, it's it's another it's another sort of you know uh, like something to think about too in terms of like. If you do go the pro sport route with your career, you've got such little time then for continuing education at the same time. Because what for the, this whole year for me, Mike, was a bit of a fucking new experience because I was meant to be moving to Seattle. Like I'll keep the story short, but I was meant to move to Seattle. I got a, a job there with a professional running organization and it fell through last minute. And basically I was left twiddling me thumbs here, kind of like you were saying with, when Joe left and, and the whole buddy getting the gig down in Arizona. And I was kind of left twiddling my thumbs like, and I had no coaching gigs this year. So I was like, fuck it. I'll just like, cause I'm currently doing a master's as well at, at the time. I said, like, fuck it. I'll just fully concentrate on my studies. And sort of the same, like my, my learning has like, you know, and I'm not, i I'm a ferocious uh, learner as it is, but again, it just is ex- exponential growth this year. And then I'm kind of like, I kind of like my lifestyle like this, you know? So me and James also have these discussions, like, you know, James, you know, be asking James, you you guys should, like, go into pro sport? You know how he feels about pro sport. He's like, monkeys throwing shit off a wall. He'd, but, uh, he'd rather
1: cut grass, he told me.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but then, like, uh, I suppose there's still a part of me that would like to, you know, just to experience it maybe a little bit, but... I know that the lifestyle... It's the lifestyle that puts me off, and it's brutal. Like, you see those guys, like, they they end up mentally, emotionally, physically. They're in bits. They start playing that game of one-upsmanship. I was at the facility from 4 a.m., and didn't leave till midnight, and it's all like, yeah, but when's the last time you saw your wife and your kids, and, like, you're you're in a terrible condition, and then it just Mm -hmm. becomes that, that whole game. But, uh like so the it's this sort of thing like you know one party is like you know pro sport will be great in one regard but then if you're someone who's a ferocious learner and you love learning it's like well then that lifestyle just isn't congruent to that and it's kind of like well should I just go more like the private route have my facility where I can you know at least okay there's a lot of work involved in that but at least I, as you said you could dictate a day where you can set aside for your study or the more consultant route where like you know you can kind of dip in and out of organizations and off seasons but have this lots of free time and study what you want so it's kind of that sort of like two-way discussion you kind of have in your mind at times but it was interesting that was a question i did want to ask about you so the pro sport versus going private so appreciate your 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 um honesty there with that answer
1: so uh, i'll be real with you um i would rather i would rather be in the the pro sector or the college sector than where i am right now Mm. um from a time perspective okay uh, I, you know, you're you're a bit when you're a business owner, you you don't have time.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh,
1: I mean, it, the 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 little time that I have, I try to devote to reading new stuff, Um, or I gotta devote it to hanging with my friends or hanging with you know because there's there's relationships that you need to build. Oh yeah. Um, in in order to continue to grow from a psychological standpoint. Um, yeah. so so the those interactions, even though I interact interact with people every day, the the relationships built um that that i build do help with stress management as well yeah. so that's that's a, and that's you know that's research backed you know um no so,
0: definitely a, a socializing is very very important to our to our health in so many ways and I, I don't know i'm just getting a sense that we're probably similar in this as well but it's actually it's my biggest gap in my life like socializing like i'm much more of a guy to stay at home and just like study do you know what i mean read a book Mm -hmm. rather than because i heard you say too as well you're like i don't really like people that much and i I was like yes i I agree (laughs) i'm i'm in the same club as you mike but at the the same time like see like one on one, like me and you'll be like we'll just shoot the ship but i I gave it to me and then like someone's like hey do you want to come to this like big event we're like no i'd rather just like you know sit at home and fucking read a Mm -hmm. book yeah
1: yeah yeah that's the and and that's that i'm the exact same way although to to force yourself to go out into those social situations it does i mean if you put yourself in uncomfortable situations more and more it'll help you grow
0: yeah you know? that's exactly where i am at as and even the mindset and that and anytime i've done it it's always been great you know you kind of build up this bullshit sort like, of oh, i don't want to you know blah, And then when you go do it you're like actually I had, I had a really good time there and uh, i enjoyed it and then you know I, for me personally mentally and just emotionally you're just better off
1: you know mm-hmm. as well but, but going back, I, I would prefer to be in one of those situations. However, the stability, I, I don't want to move, you know, yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't want to go, I don't want to go all over the country to go from job to job to job to job. And my, my father, um, was a real, real successful guy, um, from, from business standpoint, from personal development. I mean, he came, he came from absolutely nothing and built himself to be like a millionaire. You know, yeah. um, he's. And, and for me to turn down jobs uh, that are very good paying jobs because I like where I am, it drives him fucking nuts. He mm. can't grasp that, but I don't want to have to move. Um, I have, I have clients that, that try to fly me out all over the country weekly and they're paying me real well. And I just don't want to do it. Like why? Because if I do it now, then I'm going to do it every week. And then I, gotta, I got to, you. you know, it's. It's that I don't want that lifestyle. That's not conducive to my, to my growth, to my happiness. So there's, there's the give and take with that aspect. So um, I, in that sense, it's not worth it for me to have a pro job or a college job. However, I do, I do see myself in the future, probably, you know, 10 years down the road or so um, taking, taking a collegiate job if I have autonomy yeah. Um and, and by then I'll have the clout to be able to do that. I'm I'm pretty close to something like that now. Yeah. Um, but it that's the only way I'll take it is if it's conducive to my growth and it's where I wanna be. Um so that but from a time standpoint, you have significantly more time as a coach than you do as a business owner. I mean, bro, like I, I when I was at Pitt, that was the happiest I, I was as a coach in my life because you'd have your set hours that you're training, that yeah. you're coaching guys, and then you'd eat, you'd lift and you read, you know, <laughs> yeah. you're not, you're not coaching guys 24 seven, like you are in the private sector and not saying all oh, private sector is much harder. I and mean, it's, it's just different. Um, and you make, you, you, sometimes you make considerably more money in the private sector, but in, in the big head jobs, that's not the case anymore. Um, but it's, I, I, I mean, I, I have sometimes 18 hour days here, yeah, you yeah. know, where I am training nonstop. So, I'll coach a group in the morning, 6 a.m., and I'll go straight through sometimes to 11, 11 p.m. At five, I'll go 5 a.m. I'm sorry, 5 a.m. to 11 p.m. You know, um, yeah. it's, and it's, I, I won't have a break to eat sometimes. I'll, I'll just make it a 24 hour fast. So, it's exhaust. And those will be really lucrative days, but it's exhausting. And then you don't have time to grow. You don't have, you, you barely have time to bathe. You know, you go home and you're so friggin' exhausted, you just collapse. So that's something that you don't get in the coaching sector that happens in the private sector. And it, it really, it really hinders growth. I mean, when I first opened my business, it was tough for me to open a book for the first six months because I was constantly doing stuff. You know, I was trying to get clients meeting with all these people because my money had to come in. I didn't have a stable, a, a real stable client base yet. Yeah, so it yeah. was, it, it, it's, it's a lot of work, the business aspect. Whereas if you're a coach there's no business. Coaching is your business. Yeah, you know, so you. it's 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 a lot different. And that's I I would love to just coach and not worry about it, which is, you know, the, the main goal, not worry about money.
0: Yeah. I, I suppose, yeah, as it's funny because as I was speaking earlier on about saying, you know, collegiate versus private and saying if you have your own facility you could have more free time. That, that was the wrong word. And what I meant to say was that you could potentially you could potentially end up having more autonomy depending on how you set up your business. But I guess it, I suppose it'd be more being a consultant versus pro sport like James has. That way, you would have a lot more free time, like just being a you know a consultant rather than having a, a facility where there's overheads there. Because having your own facility, a private facility, particularly if you're in it every day, running it day to day, and you're on the floor, like it's basically fucking nonstop. Um, unless unless you can get it to a a, a stage where. Like like a Mike Boyle, where like you know he doesn't have to he he is in the facility every day because he just wants to be, but he doesn't have to be. Like you know what I mean? Like uh-huh. that place just runs on its own now at this stage because it's built to such success. But uh, but yeah, sorry. I suppose the the real question I was asking is that you know if you're someone who's a voracious learner but you still love coaching it's kind of like you know do I go pro sport or should I stay like more in a consultant role where I learn and just like give, give services to a team and you know you kind of went back with the question of like you know this idea of personal growth so you kind of always have this like thing in your head like you know a year of or a year or two in high performance sport it could be good for growth development as a person and seeing you know uh, do I have that work ethic to get through that type of day and but then again, you know, it's just like, I, kind of you were talking about lifestyle, it's kind of like in your head, like yeah, but my lifestyle is really good now and I'm, my education is going really well. I'm learning a lot. And, you know, and then like, if your core value is like your health and your wellness, you're like fucking pro job or owning a business isn't the most conducive thing to health and wellness. So like, there's lots of questions going on and there is no right or wrong, like in terms of judgment, like, you, you know, cause this thing is like, you get people saying like, oh, like such and such job isn't isn't great for health and wellness the hours aren't great you know you know or whatever all that and it's kind of like, yeah but if this person knows that and they're like i don't give a fuck about that i just want to be successful or just i want to leave a legacy it's like well if that's their decision then there's no judgment there's no right or wrong with it but yeah it's, it's just funny like yeah it have some, some of these different like sort of discussions in your mind about you know sh- should i go this route i could go that route that route could open up this door but then like i'd be leaving this behind And then you're like is that a fearful thought and it's like just like all that type of thing you know it's kind of like well my lifestyle right now is good and i have lots of time to study and you know income steady it's like but if i went with this what doors could that open just like these things so it's just interesting to hear like how you went about that as well obviously Mm -hmm. because you know i was like no doubt you've had pro offers and and then obviously you know you have your own private facility so mike um let's get a little more into the training the, the nuts and the bolts so, first question is, what is your philosophy of training? So, what's your training philosophy? So, someone just said, like, what's the why behind your your how?
1: You know, I was just talking about this with one of one of my pro guys. Um, he he's one of those dudes that bounces around a little bit, and he always has to do workouts. Um, and this <laughs> is his first year with me. So, when in in these pro workouts, if even if you know you're an experienced guy, you if they, sometimes they just don't care and they want to take you through a combine pretty much again. So they got to run a 40, they got to run a three cone. It's it's a bunch of bullshit testing, but you just have to do it. Um, if, if you're that level, level guy. And he said, you know, Mike, I don't, I don't understand how this works. And so what do you mean? He said, well, I got all my fastest times. I got my fastest three cone. I got my fastest, you know, five, 10, five, I got my fastest 40. We didn't practice the three cone, the five ten five, and we don't lift any fucking weights. Like, how did how did this happen? You know, um, and I, it, you know, I don't hang my hat on the guy as being the guy that. Oh, we don't lift weights. Like, we don't lift weights in my. Feet. That's bullshit. You know, because yeah. we do lift weights. But it, I said to him, I was like, I I use what's needed. Yeah. Um. If if I feel like we need to get stronger and the only way to get stronger is lifting weights then we're going to lift weights but if i feel like your your level of fitness or your level of preparation can be influenced without any external stimuli then we're not going to waste the stimulus that's that's what it comes down to so it's i try to keep everything I, I try to save as much as i possibly can for when we really actually need it and if you could if you could yield the adaptation without overstimulating then you win
0: yeah I think that's the soundbite right there. Um, so then, let's get a little more into the how. So I turn up a freak strength, and I'm brand new. What what what, what happens? Like, is there an assessment? Do you like how, like so? Just taking through the whole sort of process.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll take you. So we'll sit down, we'll talk. Uh, depending on your age, I'll I'll usually let the parents come in as well, even if they're college level. Um, and we'll sit down, we'll talk. They ask, it's an open forum. Any questions they have, I'll walk them through. I'll walk you guys through the evaluation. I have uh, a quasi standard evaluation. I say quasi standard cause it's always evolving. Um, there's, there's nothing. I have something on paper, um, that, that we kind of go by, like not necessarily a joint by joint type thing, but it's, uh, it, it's, it's not real measurable. It's pretty subjective. Yeah. And I need, it's, it's tough to get the quantifiable quantifiable uh, assessment in without making it a standardized bullshit. So I, I keep it, I keep it relatively open. Um, So we'll walk, walk you through stuff. I'll go from, from toe to head um, evaluation, uh, range of motion. We'll, I'll I'll ask questions on pain, um, sports, you know, goals. And then from there we'll, we'll schedule the appointment once the appointment is scheduled um the first first day we'll pretty much walk you through the warm up yeah um and 99% of the people can't get the, and and everyone has a, there's there's a general template that I use for a warm up but everyone has their own individualized warm up um with their own individualized um mobility fascial stretches all all that um so it's and and and, and different uh and, and different GPP within within the warm-up as well. Even though it's a general template, it, it, it's still it's still plan B throughout. So our, our warm-up is so inclusive that it exhausts the hell out of guys. Even though it's not like a high heart rate type thing. It's not like a high tempo. I let guys go at their pace. Um, it'll take them about an hour, 15 minutes the first time they get through first session. So the first session or two, they'll probably just go through the warm-up. And then slowly, my, my, my whole first month is literally just building work capacity. Yeah, yeah. You know, even, even if you're a pro, um, a high-level pro guy, there's, there's no sense. It, you know, I, I feel like there's a base level of work capacity that someone should have.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and if they don't have it, then, yeah, obviously they're going to get injured. I mean, if you can't do three sets of, or, excuse me, if you can't do one set of three different variations of lunges without cramping up, you know, body weight lunges, yeah. you know, you can't do a, a front lunge. You can't do a re- guys, guys can't do reverse lunges. You, you'd be surprised how many people can't do a reverse lunge because the, the motor pattern is just in reverse and the, the processing is so, is so fucked in their head that they fall over. Um, so there, between that, the stabilizing muscles I had, I had a guy that's probably like a 500 pound bencher, um, 500 pound bencher, 600 pound squatter, NFL guy. I had him come in and break a sweat throwing my ground-based hip circuit yeah. like, and saying like, this is exhausting. And we only did like two sets of 10 of each, each direction. And this, this guy is a real big, strong dude, but he just doesn't. And, and, and NFL guy making $50 million, uh, $50 million contract, you know? So he's no slouch, but he couldn't go through a basic, like old person, like, like a rehab hip circuit. without without being in pain and and not pain but like exhaustion so it it goes to show you i mean what a what it takes to be great it isn't what we think it is but b Mm. i mean they're not as healthy as we think they are either like performance and health are two different things oh
0: absolutely i i I talk about that all the time too yeah
1: i i try to blend the two because i have guys that'll throw 96 miles an hour but i mean they're they're in pain so at, at what cost, right? So we got to figure yeah. out a way. We got to figure out a way that that is conducive for for physical um, and psychological growth in in all regards.
0: Yeah, I mean, but like to 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 be an expert or to specialize so much in in one area, one domain, there is going to be trade offs. Like yes. as as you said, like there. Uh, like people confuse, I talk about this all time. People confuse sport with health, and it's like they're they live at two completely opposite ends of the extreme. Like, like so, like the prime example of that is like heavyweight powerlifters. They are extremely fit. They're the fittest individuals on earth to to lift maximal weights in the squat, bench, and deadlift. But like walk up a fucking flight of stairs or do anything that like has to be yeah. like. I think that gets their heart rate up. Outside of that, it's like they're fucked. So, like, just even from a general health standpoint, they're like, look at Eddie Hall, strong, like the fittest human in the world to lift the heaviest weight off the ground in terms of death. But outside of that, from general health parameters, I mean, the man has to sleep with a mask, like, because he's he's got he's so fucking huge and heavy. So mm-hmm. again, there, there's such trade-offs on the extremes of uh, if someone has to be a real expert in one area of, of a domain. So I completely agree with that. One area that I think me and you really agree on, and it's funny because it's where uh, Dan would have a slight disagreement on is is the development of the aerobic system and how important that is to just overall medicine and particularly, you know, recovery and, and just health as well. But recovery being a huge one. and I mean, there's so many factors we could go down with that in terms of like, you know, resynthesis of, you know, lactic systems and parasympathetic tone. Even though someone now with a critical mind should say, Whereas the research show that it does increase pyruvate home, but in terms of resynthesis of ATP, that's that's pretty well established in textbooks. But anyway, anyway, I'm going on there. But it, you you know you appreciate aerobic development. I appreciate it too. So maybe just you know expand on that as well for some of the listeners.
1: Yeah, it's um I, the the aerobic base. I did I don't develop it through steady state. Um, I, I, well actually, let me let me, strike that. I don't develop it with all my athletes through steady state, it depends on the sport. Right. So, um, but the, I, I feel like. See, but that's the, that's, that's again an issue where I say I feel instead of, I know, um, I, I I feel like that it's an important aspect. Although you get guys like Dan that say it's bullshit anyway. You don't, why Mm -hmm. do you need the aerobic base? Um, I, you, you,
0: you made a good point though in that, like, he, like, see, I think the problem, and you, you actually bring a really good point there is that when people hear the word aerobic, they automatically think long distance running. But, like, that's just one means of developing, you know, general aer- aerobic capacity. Whereas there's so many ways to develop the aerobic system. And there's also different areas of central versus peripheral. Like, it's the same, too. Like, I don't know about you, too, but when people hear the word strength, they automatically always think lifting of weights, and it's like no, no. Strength is a biomechanical quality, and resistance training, as in lifting weights, is one way is one means to develop the biomechanical quality of strength. Like you can get strength, fucking throw and sprint, and you know, it's, <laughs> Jay, like it's funny too. Like Jay's like moves his finger and he goes, "This is strength happening right here." Yeah, <laughs> he does that. It's so funny, but yeah, no, I'm same uh, with you. Like people hear like aerobic and they just think running, and you're like, there's lots of ways to develop it sorry
1: continue so the 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 benefits of the aerobic aerobic development right you'll you'll lower your resting heart rate Mm. okay if you lower your resting heart rate then you'll lower your respiratory rate so you won't you won't take as many breaths in a minute so if you don't take as many breaths in a minute then it's gonna reduce your sympathetic tone so this is the ipso facto of of what you had said um And by doing that, it'll enable you to get a better quality of sleep. So it'll also improve your HRV, you know? So those, those are the backdoor routes to explain the benefits of aerobic work. Uh, and, and that's, that's one of the reasons why I do it is, is it, that's another way that it'll enhance recovery outside of improving, improving your ability to do heart rate recovery. You know, uh, it's, it's your actual sleeping recovery. That's, that's, that's one of the big reasons why I do aerobic work.
0: Mm, mm, big time. Um, just something I wanted to ask you to uh, wrap it up here because I know, you, you know you're on time crunch here as well, same as myself. Um, what, again, a question I ask everyone, what would you say are the good and, and the not so good things that you're currently seeing within the coaching profession? And with, with the not so good things, what sort of
1: solutions would you offer? Um, so it's, it's really tough, uh, to, to say some of the not so good things and, and some of the good things that that we see, because I'm, I'm seeing it, I'm seeing it from outside looking in like there's, there's an example of, I mean, coaches all over the place, injuring guys or coaches all over the place, giving guys rabdo or, or, you know, players dying while, while coaches while under coaches supervision you know um there's there's so much stuff that go that there's so many things that go into that where it's it's hard to judge someone's faults from from the outside perspective i don't i don't think that's fair i mean because because you know through through the looking glass i mean there's 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 a, a kid that's a part of a high school team that I trained that just tore his ACL and he's one of the best players on the team. Mm. So if someone, and it was a non-contact injury. So someone outside looking in and say, Oh, well, Gordango's program, shit, he just injured someone. It's, it's tough to make that statement because what they don't know is that kid had finished a wrestling majority of our training. He was in wrestling season. Then once he finished wrestling, he took a month off. And then he came back and he had torn his shoulder during wrestling season. So I had to rehab his shoulder and I only saw him five times. Yeah. So, so for me to say that, you, you know, like outside looking in, like it's a very, very clear cut answer. Like this guy's doing this wrong. This guy's doing that wrong. Like when is not lifting enough weights, this guy, he in non-contact injury, but you, you don't know what's going on. Yeah. Um, one thing, one thing I will say that really pisses me off is absolute, absolutists, like people yeah. that say, Us, this, yeah, yeah, this is the only you know, one, yeah. Yeah, it's um, they're they're just ignorant. Um, I, do I think there is a right way? Absolutely, there's one right way to do everything that we need to do. There, do we know it? Fuck no. Are we on the search for it? Fuck yes. Okay, so there is a right way, um, for for everything that we do. There is an optimal way, the most optimal way. But to to think that there is that that we know that one way right now, it's we we just don't have the technology for it. You know, um, so to that that's the one thing that really really pisses me off is people that that claim to have the claim claim to have the the one answer for everything
0: yeah i mean yeah yeah it, it is impossible i mean myself and james spoke about this before and that, like i mean this is why statistics was invented because like james said a very clever thing he says you should never really be asking someone are you certain you should say are you certain that this is the most probable answer? Because everything is just probability. That's why we have like R values and P values in research. Because like up, up until like Newtonian physics, we thought we had the whole world figured out. Like you know, because we could just use calculus and, and like you know Newtonian physics. Because it was like, oh look, the whole world is a machine. But then like when we learned about like subatomic, when we got the atom and broke down into subatomic particles, and then we got into the world of quantum, we're like, ah oh, fuck, we're back to uncertainty now and probability. So it's just yeah. like. So it's just like they, we we can never be one hundred percent certain about anything. All, all we can do is like say, well, the evidence is very very heavily weighted towards this end. So we're, mm-hmm. we're we're we think this is the most probable answer right here. But like, and as Dan also talks about, like. Like, while there is optimal models for most things, there is huge individual bandwidth built built into every model. So, like, you know, there is a technical model for sprinting and, and like, you know, like, all weight Mm -hmm. movements and all that. But, obviously, there's going to be some individual bandwidth because everyone is a sort of N1 within themselves. So, yeah, I agree with you there for sure. Um, I want to keep you too much longer because, man, if you're going to be coaching until 11 p.m. tonight, I say you want to maybe... No, no, my
1: my schedule nowadays is real light. Real, Um. real light. I I, I started going back to school, so I I dropped i dropped a lot of my my uh training sessions
0: oh is it, you're back
1: in school are you studying it yeah yeah i'm i'm getting I, I haven't contemplated whether it's just gonna be a master's or or going towards a doctorate but i'm doing i'm doing acupuncture
0: oh wow i'm i'm so i'm doing my master's in strength and conditioning in st mary's in london phenomenal course really really good uh um, yeah, I'll tell you more about that offline, like you know, some of the resources and I'll share with you. But uh it's phenomenal. Like uh, John Goodwin was one of our head lectures, and you'd love him like real good guy and skill act and just speed work savage, like information's unreal. Um I'll tell you more about that after. But uh wrapping up here, just a few little kind of quick fire fire round questions. Your your answers can be as long as, as you want them to be. And um, your biggest lessons you've learned so far in your life.
1: <laughs> Nothing's guaranteed.
0: <laughs> i like that
1: nothing is guaranteed bro even, uh, if it's, even if it's a contract ain't nothing fucking guaranteed people will get out of contracts i
0: fucking i know too well but i was saying earlier on but that that seattle gig i was flown out to seattle for a week hand shook dinner and all eaten this is yours 10 weeks later gonzo and i remember i was I was emailing fergus Connolly, and he, he and i'll never forget his reply he just goes welcome to the world of pro sports and then like mark forstagan also was telling me he was like yeah he's like He's like, that's, he's, and uh, he, uh, Mark was saying, I said, he said, well, even if you do get the contract and you do start the job, he's like, your lifespan could be, like in the job, could be gone after even just a few weeks in it. So he's yep. like, he's like, nothing's guaranteed in pro sport. But uh, your top resources, Mike, um, what would your top resource be? Now, I know it's a very broad general question, and the reason I leave it very broad down is because it can be anything. So it doesn't just have to be <clears throat> limited to the world of like physical preparation. It, your top resource. And it could be any, it could be a book, a video, a person, a podcast, uh, a course you took. And it could be to do in any domain, personal development, spirituality, nutrition, whatever it is, training. So your, your top resource.
1: Okay. So for training uh, is definitely Charlie Francis. Anything, cool. anything and everything by Charlie Francis. I, I, I fucking love him. James Smith. Um, now, also one of my top resources um, for for life is also James Smith. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I I know I'm I'm with you on that as well. He's he's phenomenal. Um, my father with without without my dad, Great. um, he's he's a big big decision making guy for me. Um, it's uh that's that's he's he's my go to. I I rely on him heavily for for a bunch of shit. Uh, he's uh, that's that's probably my my highest resource the the most used resource that i have yeah. is uh getting advice from him or or any kind of uh any kind of help yeah. that's that's a big go-to um and there i i can't say one specific resource in this but uh just just general general psychology
0: yeah.
1: um trying right, right now i'm i'm
0: you're, you're like this You like Sapolsky? Robert, yes Robert Sapolsky, I'm, I'm,
1: I'm in the middle of reading why zebras get ulcers
0: yeah i, I read that i need to read it again though but if that's his new one behave just for the listeners they can't see up but i'm just showing mike the behave book i actually only picked it up from my library today my library's fucking unreal i always go can you get in and they're like yes we actually have this I'm like get it
1: <laughs> i uh i i listen to all his lectures online they're they're phenomenal oh, the
0: youtube one yeah i'm actually just going through those again like when i eat i just put them on and i just listen to them it's phenomenal mm-hmm
1: yeah that's that's what i do I'll, I'll cook all day or you know i'll spend like a couple hours preparing stuff and i'll just listen to a lot of his stuff right i'll listen to the books on tape right now yeah, yeah. um so so a lot of psychology have do you know uh have you you heard um Bessel van der kolk
0: i actually haven't
1: okay so he's like the, when he's like the dude um the name of his book is the body keeps score so, i've
0: heard i've heard the title of that book but i didn't know he was the author now that's, phenomenal. Sounds um, phenomenal.
1: That's that's an eye-opening book. Uh, I read that. I've, I've read right. that a couple of times. um That's that, that that type of stuff is. It it helps you. You know the word "sonder," the realization yeah. that that you know there's there's a lot more going on than than what you know. Oh, absolutely.
0: Um, but I'm full full with that. Like when I, when i ever asked, like you know, about your background or describe yourself, I'm always like, I'm I'm a universalist. Like I, you know, I'm a holistic bloke. Like I I like to me like just everything is fucking one everything's connected like it's funny because when i first got i always use story i got into you know strength well strength condition as it was called and then it was called physical preparation now it's sports preparation (laughs) now it's just coaching uh but like, you, you first get into that world and you're like, oh, you're, you're in strength and condition. And then like you get into the rehab world and you're like, oh yeah, and then you get into nutrition and then something in the nutrition triggers off like health and wellness and functional medicine, you get into that world. And then like the health and wellness, gets into like mental and emotional, you're like, oh my God, human behavior and psychology. And then you get into that and then you get into the spiritual realm and all that. And then like you just start over all these rabbit holes and doors. And by the time you get like to the end of it or what's perceived, you're like, you get out to the end and you're like, you're just like out in the middle of the universe, all the stars. And then you're just like. It's all one. It's all fucking connected. And you're like, shit, I need to learn everything. Yeah.
1: It's it's overwhelming.
0: Yeah, it fucking you know? is, man. It just is. And then you realize we're such a small little insignificant planet in this whole thing. It's just like, oh fuck. That's uh, that's
1: why that's why I uh I like acupuncture. Um mm. it's is it's a holistic approach to I I want to say they they make they do their best to make things universal. To, to apply them to universal concepts yeah yeah, yeah. you know, well, you yeah, know why, why why acupuncture anyway that's very um, so in in the in new jersey in the states there's there's different laws as to what trainers can do what physical therapists can do what yeah, a, athletic yeah, yeah. trainers can do um in the state of new jersey athletic trainers and physical therapists cannot dry needle yeah. okay they're, they're not allowed to which i i'm i'm totally for them not being allowed to i've, I've heard a lot of horror stories with, yeah with, from from my NFL guys telling me, I, know, I'm a
0: i am just you know I'm a manual therapist and I draw needle as well.
1: Do you? Yeah. So I know it's,
0: I have been I've been to other things in America too because uh yeah I've heard it like they're like the state. So
1: so you've seen these these monkeys that that <sighs> butcher you know, people like just butcher people yeah. like you know what I mean. Yeah, one, one PT uh, asked, asked one of my uh, NFL guys, acupuncturists saying, "How many guys a week pass out?" This a, "What do you mean?" So how many guys a week pass out from dry needling? What? What the fuck you mean? Where, where are you dry needling? It's, oh, you know, their glutes or something. They'll just pass out. They'll scream and they'll pass out. Like how, how regular is it? That's not fucking regular at all. No, so, not, not at all. It's, it's a shame because uh, it's, it's a really useful practice if utilized properly, but it takes a lot of time. And yeah. in the States, it's a weekend certification yeah. to yeah. be able to do it. So in New Jersey, only a law was recently passed. It won't, it won't stay, but a law was recently passed that only acupuncturists can perform needlework. Mm. Um, and I already, like, I'm not a physical therapist. I don't have the education in physical therapy, the traditional education, physical yeah, therapy. Yeah, yeah. I've shadowed PTs for hundreds of hours. Um, it's, I, I know rehab. Yeah. Uh, I know rehab. I know a lot of that aspect of it. And it wouldn't unlock any other door other than the ability to, to, charge insurance and make more money and i didn't want to make a decision like this predicated upon my ability to make more money yeah um because it's 150 credits that i have to take i'm taking 18 credits a semester right now and it's three three sem in trimesters yeah. so it's it's a lot of fucking work the the needlework unlocks a door that no other trainer can do no other strength coach is capable of doing at this yeah, moment yeah. um professionally like at at this high level and two it's it's teaching me a realm of thought and emotion and, and I, I don't want to say pseudoscience, but holistic science.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, that, that doesn't, doesn't really come. It, it, it's going to help expand my mind, yeah. you know, it expand my thinking and whether I buy into it or not. Um, I, you know, I walk into every classroom as a fucking skeptic saying like, all right, so the yin and the yang and blah, 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 blah. But the way, the way it's compared Um, it's, it's made a lot of sense to me. They, they do their best. It's, they do their best to really compare it to, to physics, um, to different sciences that are, that are hard science. And if you, if you look at some of the stuff, it's, it, it it makes sense. It, it adds up. So I, I really, but again, I'm, I'm in my first year so far. I'm, I'm I'm in my second semester. So I, I haven't dove that much into it yet, but that's, that's a lot of the stuff that, that has kind of the the reasons why i started doing it
0: yeah listen man it's it's more learning it's more learning at the end that, of the day yeah. so i mean it's uh it's just it's just another another sort of domain to, to learn and grow as a person so it's definitely there's definitely a lot of good to be gained from it without question just interesting that that you you went into um acupuncture very interesting love to keep me updated on the on the progress i'd be interested in that for sure uh your top book mike what what is your top book recommendation again it can be anything and it doesn't have to be just one and what's your current uh book that you're reading so your top and current book recommendations
1: right now i'm reading why zebras uh don't get ulcers okay um how you find it by the way it's dense isn't it yeah yeah all, all the stuff that i read is dense like that though you know um it's and, and i have to read it a couple of times to really get anything out of it
0: i'm the same. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I I really I really enjoyed The Body Keeps Score. Okay, I really cool. enjoyed that book. Um, I also liked uh, <sighs> Principles by Ray Dalio. Oh, did you read that? That's a fucking dense book as well. Yeah, it's it's very it's it's a lot.
0: Yeah, um, I've only and, heard I've only heard interviews with him am about the book now. But it is now. In saying that, I did read Tony Robinson's Money Master the game last year, and that's a dense book. And uh, because like th- he brought out Unshakable, because people were complaining saying, "Listen, I'm not reading money, it's seven hundred pages," and he's like, "Can you condense it?" So Tony Robbins wrote Unshakable, but I actually read Money, and I wouldn't b- read a lot of financial books, but I I actually thought it was a good read. But that's I how it, that's I how read it as well. Yeah, I, I liked
1: it. I liked. Did you like that book? Yeah, I see. I I like uh, it's. It, it gives you a ton a ton of numbers and a ton of figures and a ton you know i I love hearing what really smart people have to say exactly Um, yeah yeah
0: like i walked away with that book singing uh Fuck! I want to find a fiduciary and like I am going to do a, an investment pro- portfolio and I would they, like they're important things. So, but it's so funny too. You you know Miladin Janovic. You know him, don't you, Miladin Yes, yeah, yes. So I had him on the podcast before, and sure, like Mladen, like me and you, he'd be very, uh, very much a, a universalist. You know, very much sees the whole picture. So very holistic type bloke, and he was talking about you know the concept of like, you know, vertical integration, Charlie Francis vertical integration, like and in concurrent training, you know, always kind of emphasizing equality while you maintain others. But like never, like, never not having everything within your program all the time. Um, and he said and he kind of uh, used the analogy of economics. He's like, you look at all the top investors. He's like they all have diverse portfolios. None of them put all their eggs into one basket. So he's like they basically have a concurrent program if you like. And it's just like I like the way you did that analogy, lad
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, and it's so funny when I read, uh, money master the game, Ray Dalio's portfolio, which is why I, I read his book, Mm, um, mm. the all weather strategy. That's exactly how I train. It's 10% over time, like slow, slow yields. It's not about the big boom. I mean, if you look at my fucking website, that's exactly what it says. They're the
0: the principles, man. They're the principles. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's, it's, it, and, and I, I had talked to my dad. I was like, "Dude, I, I, want to invest like this." He goes, "No, that's for old men. Don't do that. You need something more aggressive." I said, like, "Bullshit. This is everything I've. We got into heated debate about it. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. Everything I fucking preach with training. Like this is how we should be doing shit. I'm fucking telling you, this that's is the so right funny. way." That's so funny. That is yeah. that's brilliant. That is brilliant. yeah. Be- all because it's. I mean, it's total confirmation bias. Yeah. But. Exactly.
0: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I mean. Because yeah, you're so emotionally. Because that's what you're so emotional. Oh, that's fucking bullshit. swear
1: <laughs> But I mean, every single guy that I've had. I have. I have a guy now. Um, Justin Tradow. He is an eight year NFL bet He's 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 a savage. He's a total stud. He's defensive end. And right now, I had him for. I've had him for like nine or ten months. Uh, because he had he had uh. Ankle surgery last year, um, because you know, it's football guys fall on your feet, you break your fucking ankles. And then one surgery led to another surgery, which is how I ended up getting him. And he didn't play last year. So I rehabbed his ankle. Um, and we've been, we've been training this whole time for, for nine months, 10 months and no injuries no setbacks whereas mm-hmm. in the past he's I, I let my guys i don't want to say i let them they, they they do what they want anyway but i i allow them to have influence over the program over what they want to do because who the fuck says that i know everything so i i take their input and justin's a really hardcore dude he uh, he's a motherfucker he he trains like a beast and if he's not training like a beast he feels like a pussy mm-hmm. right so so that there's, there's that struggle with um, the, the the psychological struggle in there where, how am I going to convince these guys to to do the slow and steady yeah. wins the race approach? So in, in previous years, he's been injured because he's gone a little too much too soon against my advice, but still it's my fault because I, I allow it to happen. Right. Um, so this year he said, Hey, listen, I got nothing to lose. I'm actually going to listen to you this year. Yeah. And, as a result, I mean, I post him on my Instagram all the time. He, he can run five or six 40-yard dashes within 2% of each other. Wow. Um, it's, it's phenomenal. He's stronger than he's ever been. He's not injured. His, his capacity, his aerobic capacity, his Alactic capacity is through the fucking roof. And it's because we haven't been injured at all. Yes. It's slow, slow progress over time, which it's not sexy, yeah. but it works.
0: Yeah, but it makes sense because like if he's not injured, he can train more consistently, and we all know that consistency is probably the most important thing when it comes to actually getting results from training. Mm-hmm. But uh it's so funny you mention that because you, you you know you you know Kier, don't you Kier Willem flat? Yes, you Kier. Know so oh yeah, sure you've been on his podcast. Fucking forgot that. Yeah, because so Kier a fucking legend. But what you're describing there too, it reminds me so much of like his stories when he was in Japan. And, like, he, you know, he'd be very much into sub-maximal work, obviously, in the weight room and stuff. And he said, like, uh, he got one of the, the guys off the the team. Like, he's, he's like, I don't feel strong. And then Kier goes, okay, let's go fucking test your max. And your man PRs. He, like, he PR'd everything. pr like, his squat and his vertical jump and his, like, his fucking his sprint times. And Kier's like, do you believe me now that that my yep. that the training works? And no, he goes, yeah. And then Kier goes, so w- are you still going to stick to this submaximal work? And your man's
1: like, no. <laughs> Nope. <laughs> he was like, what the fuck?" and and you know what's even more frustrating about that is he will experience prs um by lifting heavy up up to the next four to six weeks you know just just by constantly lifting heavy because of that base he built submaximally, exactly. he still hasn't realized his strength in those exercises yes. so it's just a fucking skill so then then it just makes it, it, it makes it that much more difficult for these fucking monkeys to fall back, to, to, to go yeah. back and do what they were, what they were originally doing.
0: Uh, you, you bring up a really important thing, and uh, just that uh, like you remind me of something really important because I just went through this lecture in college with John Gooden, who I mentioned earlier on. He was giving a lecture on needs analysis and he was talking about the danger of short-term studies. And he's like, this is what happened there over the last like, 10, 15 years. All these high-intensity studies came out and they were in short duration. And he's like, of course you're going to see those results like because one is like they're specific and because the, the intensity is so high he's like uh, there's a few uh, issues that he's like if the study kept going there would have been diminishing returns what would the cost mean to the organism and he's like what short-term studies don't do not uh, show is the accumul- the accumulated bout of training effects so if you look at like phase potentiation so like you know a work capacity block that fed into like you know an alactic power block that fed into an alactic capacity block he's like you don't see that with short-term studies, like so, yeah. like so, because of a short, a short-term high-intensity study yields such great results in the short term, and you're not seeing actually the detriments that can have long-term, and you're not seeing the cumulative effect of training phases or training blocks. He's like people fell into this high-intensity trap, but he's like you're, you're, you're like because because Joel James talks about it as well, and you we and you understand too. So if we can get the same result and the same stimulus to the system with way less cost to the system it's like we're going to go with that but it's just because people have been so biased now with these short-term studies like oh just high intensity is all you need to do it's just like oh for fuck's sake yep.
1: yeah so, yeah yeah and and you know it's uh and and i was a part of i mean even when we had our combine guys at the that's one of the reasons i don't do combine training is mm-hmm. because you have no choice but to do high intensity because in the short duration, that yeah, yields yeah. the greatest adaptation, right? Yeah, but it's yeah. not sustainable. So, yeah. I mean, I, I remember in, in six weeks, we have to get someone prepared to run a 40, a PR of 40, at the, you know, in, in, after being injured all fucking season, yeah, pretty much, yeah. right? So, six weeks, I remember at the end of six weeks, Joe would be afraid to have guys run more than 140.
0: 'Cause of was just so fucking overtrained, like and under recovered.
1: Not not because of that, because they were capable of producing so much force but not capable of sustaining it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I get you, you, I know? Get you. So yeah.
1: guys guys would Joe would guys would run up forty, Joe would be like, All right, that's it. And that's like, no, <laughs> one more, and Joe would be like, trust me, no, no more. Because no they, more, yeah. But I mean, yeah. we're we're just as guilty as sustaining that, but it's the combine that we were that, that we were preparing for that it's it's fucking bullshit i know it's like, bullshit yeah it, it works i mean you remember the remember the before and afters that we used to send like when we were doing the combine stuff yeah guys have yeah, yeah. to put on 15 20 pounds take four tenths off their 40 put six inches on their vert like that wasn't unusual yeah. for our guys to do that in a six week time but it's too fast too fast for the organism like it's too fast it's, it's way too but we knew it but it it just is what it is because yeah. millions of dollars depend on this shit so yeah the, the guys don't care and all right hey you get injured get your get your best time anyway who gives a fuck and then you know we'll count we'll count the dollar bills afterwards because you know? as
0: you as you know like and, and i've i really in in-depthly studied skill acquisition this year but you know from the from uh a talk Dan done it's one of my favorite talks everything's one of your favorite talks too the one he's on the speed power and he talks about stimu- uh, stimulated that um stabilize and actualize mm-hmm. and uh, like that that exactly goes to your point like and then my study in skid acquisition you know this whole like for instance so like if you get guys right and they take a whole off season from their not a whole off season but they get an off season from their sport and let's say over the off season they uh, put on more muscle so morphologically their system has changed and let's say they get stronger so neurologically they've also changed and now they just go straight back to their sport, but they didn't, like, they didn't allow a stabilization, a stabilization phase for their, yeah. their, their the skill acquisition of their sport to be able to stabilize with their new morphology and new neurological output. And it's just like that is just fucking breathes disaster then in terms of when it gets to an injury yeah. rate. Right? So you know, they don't stabilize it, then they can't actualize it, and then usually yeah. it's an injury because it was, it was too much of an intense stimulus too soon to the organism. And they didn't allow enough time for the skill for their sport skill to actualize with their new base their, their new their new body that they built you know morphologically yeah. and, and neurologically like yeah so exactly. it's just I to mean,
1: if 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 you ask me i have i have youth athletes at my gym ask me how many times a year excuse me how often I change the program once once they get into the the meat and potatoes of it never <laughs> I take the bondertro approach sometimes I'm absolutely for, for absolutely. A this, man yeah okay like you don't need to because they are still growing they still need to learn yeah. you need to stimulate and adapt stimulate uh, too, many, too, uh. too many people stimulate adapt stimulate adapt you need stimulate adapt stabilize actualize you know but no one allows for that to happen like there's the, their new pr that's not their PR. Like that, that might yeah. be your PR, but that's not what they're actualizing. They haven't stabilized that. Yeah. it takes takes six six weeks up to up to five months to fucking stabilize a big PR like that yeah. to make it something you could do every day. I've I've actualized, I've actualized three fifteen, right with the bench, no problem. You put three fifteen on a bar, I could do it without warming up. You know, it it'll hurt, but I could do it. Yeah. That's probably my max, my real max bench. Yeah. I've gone up to four oh five. Man, I've done 405 once. I haven't ever fucking hit it since. Yeah. But my PR is 405. I've never actualized that. Never even stabilized it.
0: Man, uh, we are just talking about Bondashuk there. Like, I'm very good friends with Derek Evelyn. He just released his Bondi shock course there last week. It's phenomenal. It's, it's phenomenal now. Now, I haven't in depth looked at it yet, but he also does a lot of the uh, programming and periodization stuff on the Altus Foundation course, and I've gone through that. And it's phenomenal. And just on the point there about, like, you know, he, all, he, I love what Derek says. He's like, when someone plateaus, what do coaches do? And he's like, they change. He's like, no, no, don't. Just, he's yeah. like, they automatically change. So Bonnerchuk would, would maintain, you know, keep the variables the same, like, or, or as much, so no wave, that's the big thing in the Bonnachuk approach, no wave loading, it's just flat loading. But there, it, there's the complex method, right? But then there's complex variation. You'd be interested in this. So the complex method is just where everything's trained in a parallel sequence. So you're training everything, but you're emphasized very, very much like for integration. But uh, you keep all the means and methods the same from the, from the start of the block until the athlete peaks. Um, so there's, not, again, no wave loading and stuff. And, uh, but then there's called complex variation where, again, you train everything, but you change the means and the, and the methods slightly throughout point A to point B. And uh, uh, What Derek says is, but the athlete gets less peaks throughout a year if you change up more stuff so he's like the only time we use that is when the athlete's becoming more advanced and we need to start using that so do you, know I mean? you only start putting in variation when they're more advanced whereas like you get exactly. people saying, oh, they're, they're young they need all this stimulation no, no, no they, they don't. don't no they, they, don't. they, don't. they need yep. to actualize and fucking you know, stimulate it now and actualize it or and stabilize the fucking thing and then actualize it then we can move on a little bit yeah the only
1: the only thing i'll actually change with my athletes is the distance that they're doing sprints nice And, and and maybe and and maybe and my young athletes not my not my older athletes and maybe even a plyometric variation right so but these kids suck at box jumps so why the fuck am i gonna progress them just be hey, right it's been four weeks we need the program no we right, fucking right, know, it's
0: phase two now depth jumps it's it's fucking stupid i've yeah, seen guys do depth uh, jumps uh,
1: uh, it's just yeah i know i know when so so one of my one of my most proud moments was this year um i have that football team last year burden catholic La- they, they hadn't won a state championship in like 14 years or some shit like that and the coach the co- Nunzio Campanelli, he's he's a fucking smart, smart dude. I really like him a lot. Um, I, and I don't, I don't like a lot of coaches. It's he's, and
0: it's great, great to hear that at a high school level.
1: Yeah, and he he just recently got a college job. He's he's going to be a head coach in college level, maybe even the NFL someday. He's great. He's that fucking bright. Great. Um, he sat me down. He goes, "Hey, listen, I know you do things differently. I want to give you full reign." I said, "Okay." So last year I did it. Um, not a single starter in the first game was unable to play in the last game Brilliant. state championship game. Right. Um, we had minor, minor injuries, but he said, this is the least, least amount, you know, I mean, football related injuries, like guys, guys, twisting ankles from someone falling on them, stuff like that, you know, uh, impact injuries. Right. Um, but no, I don't think we had, I don't want to say we didn't have, because they didn't do a good job of keeping track of it, but we limited the non-contact injuries big time. Mm. Um, this year, we did a pro we did a similar program i progressed them properly and when we got to depth jumps guys did depth jumps as if they were doing it the entire fucking year yeah that's because
0: they, they built the volume they built, yeah, they built, they was, built the base the capacity for it.
1: bro when they fucking did it and this is year two year one it looked like shit year two they did it i was like holy fuck these residuals are phenomenal don't, like, don't.
0: Those are the days you walk in and go, I am a brilliant coach. Because you, you, you know, yeah. you, know those, you, you know those other days you're like, I have no clue what I'm doing. I'm a fraud. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah dude. I, I I was so fucking pleased. This year I was so pleased with how they did it. But that's that's proper programming. Yeah. You know, that's that's what it is. I gave them the the, the chance to adapt. That
0: was those fucking Wednesday two AMs, twenty hour sessions, reading Verkashansky in you know, just you with a hood on and like a little torch.
1: Bondarchuk, bro i read transfer I training so many fucking times those fucking
0: tables the first time you open that book you're like what are these tables and you're like yeah. oh, they're, they're correlated and,
1: it, and it's like shit it, it's like poorly translated too. oh it's a badly badly, <laughs> <channel>. Bad, badly <laughs> one.
0: i was more of work I, lo- I love book. i love this uh special training manual for coaches like the, the 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 newer version that he did with um, natalia i love that book uh last two for you Okay, Mike, you've one year left on planet Earth. I used to say you've one year left to live, and then I was like, people kind of got sensitive about that. So I say you've one year left on planet Earth. Elon Musk has figured a way to get out of of, of Earth. But let's just say, for whatever reason, you've only 365 days left on Earth, or 66, if it was a leap year. How would you spend that one year, and why would you spend it that way?
1: I have a fuck ton of money saved, right? I would take my entire family. We'd go, like my mom, my dad, my my brother, my, my girlfriend. We'd go to a beach um we would go wherever the fuck we wanted throughout throughout the world i'd learn how to fucking surf i've been trying to learn how to surf for like 6 months now and i just get, don't get, have the get time get down get down to the australian boys uh, Rath and Lachlan. well i'd i'd have to kill a couple of great whites before i fucking do that but yeah
0: i'd i'd be fucking shit at <laughs> i'd be the same man do you remember those would, fucking those World War Two stories where it's like, yeah? So not only did he get shot out of a plane, or his boat got sunk by the Japs, then he had to yeah. swim in shark-infested waters yep. on a fucking min, a raft that was half eaten, and then he got picked up by the fucking Japs, put in a prison camp for four years, and then eventually made it back to America. And it's just like, and then you get this guy going, I think I'm overtrained. And you're like, yeah, go, <laughs> go go watch that fucking documentary and come back. <laughs> yeah so <laughs> I, I don't know because like, my athletes do like you know like i remember some someone would come up and go we, we, we had a game there two days ago sh- should we sh- should we be training this hard and i'd be like guys go into youtube and type in world war ii and just sit there for a few hours and come back to me and see how you feel <laughs> just like, come on come on I, I, and it's like, I don't, I, and again, I, as you said about I, you don't need absolutism because you get these people who are all like, oh, recovery's bullshit. It's like, no, no, the recovery has its fucking place, man. But also, you don't want to be a complete absolute pussy at the other end of that fucking spectrum as well. <laughs>
1: um, I'm with you again. Yeah. Uh, it's an co- entire, comprom- entire conversation of confirmation oh, bias. This yeah. is fucking bullshit.
0: All right, this is the, the big one, the last one. Um, right, I'm over in Jersey and I'm like, Mike, I uh, want to bring you for dinner and i've got magic powers and you're kind of like right i already think you're a fucking weirdo but now you're even more weird what the fuck are you talking about I'm like Listen, just stick with me all right? i can bring people back from the dead and you're like rob you're freaking me out man i'm like just just this uh but for this one for this one dinner right you can bring five people and they can be dead or alive that's why i have the magic powers who would you bring to this dinner and why five people dead or alive so they can be all dead all alive or a mixture for five people
1: five people that are alive huh? uh,
0: what, what what i will say is like people kind of overthink this and they're like i want to give a really profound answer but the thing is like it'll change like because like my five always changed because i could be reading or i, or I could come across an interview. Go, oh, i think i'll invite him this time to dinner but like so just say you're five and if you change your mind like who cares
1: you know i definitely want to talk to charlie francis yeah i definitely want to talk to charlie francis because I, I i heard he's just like a total savant yeah. you know just his his thought process with stuff um I, I i did from from my understanding he, he was just brilliant um from from the people that respect him and other people are just like yeah he's just a dude um i definitely would love to talk to a dude like ray dalio yeah great um that's good gandhi.
0: charlie and ray that's two great fucking ice of giants in their fields
1: yeah uh i i i someone like gandhi i i and I'm not saying Gandhi, but someone like Gandhi. Yeah. Um, they, they raised a whole bunch of people together, you know, to. to Man, took down t- 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 the British Empire without firing a shot. It's pretty impressive. That's what I mean. Pretty you know, fucking that impressive. Did Something insane like that. Um, <laughs> Genghis, it- Genghis is- Kong. So many people say him. It's unbelievable.
0: I just want to say though with Gandhi, like, you know, we think we're great coaches, you know, help like athletes with their vertical jumps and like all that stuff. And it's like, you know, like don't get me wrong, that is fucking phenomenal. I'm not, not belitting what we do, but it's just like, yeah, Gandhi took it in the whole empire with a final shot. It's pretty fucking impressive.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then Genghis Kong and then um either Stalin or Hitler.
0: No, you know what? Pat Pat Davidson said Hitler too. I think Pat Davidson said because he and he's just like, okay, why?
1: Yeah. 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 I, I St- see i the only reason i say hitler is because he's the popular one it probably i mean stalin killed his own oh school. stalin was a fucking 20 snowball. 20 million people right no, no ball but you're uh, the,
0: just the, this is the, we'll wrap this up real nicely now because this this brings out because you've charlie francis down at a dinner i've got this video of charlie you love the story if you know so this video of charlie francis it's like i think 2002 vancouver seminar and he's <laughs> this is brilliant i love the story and he's showing the eighty eight. Uh, 100 meter, you know where Ben won, but of course he got caught, like. And he's also shown the 96 where Donovan Bailey won, you know Dan's Dan's athlete. And uh when Donovan like crosses the line, it's a world record, an Olympic record, right? But it's slower than the the time in '88 where it was a world record. you know what I mean? And there's this young coach, like young, like you know, young young guy, like 19, 20 or something. But he's he's completely naive. He doesn't he he doesn't know the background. <laughs> so he puts up his hand and he asks Charlie because I'm confused. Why does it say that Donovan Bailey ran a world record when it's slower than the one you're showing us in 88? And then Charlie just says this this and he goes, "Uh, young man, you clearly have never heard of the term Stalinism, where people just take you out and you're just forgotten forever. Because, you know, Stalin just you said, like, kill. there's this, like, famous uh, uh, picture of Stalin with all his cronies. And it's like, you know how many of those cronies survived? None. They're all gone. It's just Stalin. <laughs> so what they did with the picture was it was Stalin with all the people in the original picture. And then they just all faded them out. And it's just him left. And it's like, yeah, he killed all those people. So, like, when Charlie goes with Stalinism, like, they just, like, oh, yeah, Ben Johnson never existed. That record never existed. But, like, the kid hadn't clue what he was talking about. But all the older coaches start roaring and laughing. And I just thought it was the funniest thing ever. You've never heard about the concept of Stalinism. <laughs> it's so good man so good mike listen uh gotta go myself and i want to let you go too because i want to be appreciative of your time but obviously we're well i don't know you could clearly say no to this but man i think uh, we'll be having many more conversations whether they're online offline through fucking text email and i'm so happy now that we finally connected because as i said uh offline to you over the last few days you know we're similar age our backgrounds are so similar uh, i think even our sense of humors and the, our lifestyles are very fucking similar too so i uh, definitely feel like a kindred spirit man so really appreciate you coming on today
1: right on man anytime
0: all right so i'll just hit stop recording here and i'll say goodbye to you everyone listening take care be well and as i'll say stay strong